Welcome to Asthma Open Podcast. Today, I welcome Professor Marco Milano to discuss his article on the heterogeneity of colorectal cancer. Welcome, Professor Milano. Uh, thank you for this invitation. Discussing colorectal cancer, my first question would be, can you give us maybe a little bit insight on the composition of the local inflammatory microenvironment in colorectal cancer? Well, this is a really good question. Indeed, the development and progression of colon cancer depends on at least three major factors. Well, actually, there is a fourth that is a genetic layout of the host, but this factor is constant and is not influenced by the tumor evolution. So we can speak about three factors that are the genetic of tumor cells, the pre-existing immunologic microenvironment, and the gut microbioma. All these factors influence each other. Tumor cells influence the composition of their local tumor microenvironment by means of their genetic structure. Michaela Angelova from the Innsbruck University in Austria and Guido Cromer from the French National Institute of Health and Medical Research reviewed and discussed this topic a couple of years ago. Uh, their considerations really anticipated a very recent review by Chen and Melman, published early this year in Nature. In short, colon cancer can be divided according to its genetic layout in at least three major groups, including microsatellite instability, chromosomal instability, and CPG island methylator profile. Colon cancers with high microsatellite instability express a huge mutational load, largely exceeding, for example, the mutational burden of melanoma or non-small cell lung cancer. Therefore, there is a high probability that these tumors express a robust neoantigen, which can be recognized by the immune system and so trigger an immune response. The tumor microenvironment will be characterized by an inflammatory phenotype with a number of MDSC and T-Rex, but also a number of effector TILs, in particular CD8. Indeed, the TILs have the stronger association with high microsatellite instability, as has been demonstrated a couple of years ago. However, at a further level of tumor development, the picture may change and uh, the link with the original stratification in microsatellite instability, chromosomal instability, and so on, can be less rigid. The tumor can enter the escape phase by the in-tumor inhibition of immune response due to the excess of regulatory mechanisms. This is a case, of course, of inflammatory or hot tumors, but also by excluding effector cells, which can be abundant but restricted in the stroma, surrounding the cancer nest without infiltration. So this is a second situation. Chen called these tumors immune-excluded phenotype. This effect can depend on many factors, for example, by the inhibition of the lymphocyte homing through the downregulation of specific inflammatory chemokines, uh, as demonstrated, for example, for NK cells. The CXCL9 and CXCL10 chemokines 
effectively attract NK cells to the stroma surrounding the tumor. But the recruitment into tumor nest requires additional factors, such as pro-inflammatory cytokines, cameraine, or sphingosine 1-phosphate. A third situation corresponds to the so-called cold tumors or immune desert tumors. In these tumors, the microenvironment is typically non-inflammatory with a few, if any, CD8 cells or CD4 cells. This phenotype reflected the lack of activation of the immune system. It may happen, for example, in case of tumors with low mutational burden without the expression of robust neoantigens or due to mutation or activation of specific pathways able to mask the tumor to the immune system. The most studied among these pathways is probably the WNT beta-catenine axis. Changes in this pathway led to the lack of expression of CCL4 that is important for the recruitment of dendritic cells. And so without this chemokine, no dendritic cells into the tumor and no activation of the immune system. Thank you so much for that comprehensive overview. Next question would be how to target this, right? So are there specific characteristics of the colorectal cancer inflammatory microenvironment that we can use as a treatment target? Oh, yes. Uh, the inflammatory microenvironment is the best opportunity for today available immunotherapies. An inflammatory tumor microenvironment proves that the tumor is immunogenic and the escape mechanisms are those well-known of the acquired immunotolerance. In this context, the inhibition of the immune checkpoints offers the best chance to achieve a relevant clinical benefit. However, unfortunately, notwithstanding these uh, preconditions, uh, immunocheckpoint inhibitors offers a limited benefit with about 20-30% response rate. It makes sense because it reflects the multiplicity of inhibitory mechanisms that the tumor uses to induce tolerance. Therefore, to improve results, it is necessary to look at the other known mechanisms and to develop a combination strategies. Ongoing trials, for example, include anti-TIM3 or anti-LAG3 in combination with anti-PD1, PDL1 axis inhibitors. And, uh, well, in these cases, the rationale is targeting exhausted effector cells to restore their efficiency. Other drugs in clinical development target co-stimulatory receptors, such as OX40 or 41BB, which are able to enhance the cytotoxicity of effector cells in combination with cetuximab, as far as ADCC is concerned, or, for, or with nivolumab. And there are already reported clinical trials, at least as abstract in clinical conference. Other approaches include activation of EPC through CD40 or glucocorticoid-induced DNF receptor, that is GITR, and other ways. Well, a different situation is that of the immune-excluded cancer phenotype, in which the challenge is to move the immune cells from stroma into the tumor nest. We can speculate that the use of anti-VEGF or anti-TGF-beta may be useful, 
due to the negative effect of VEGF and TGF-beta on the homing of lymphocytes into the tumors. Uh, however, preliminary data on the inhibition of CCR5 axis suggest an additional way. Indeed, in this, uh, uh, targeting these axes is possible uh, to change the tumor microenvironment toward a more effective anti-tumor environment with uh, the redistribution of T-cell and the repolarization of the macrophages. Uh, the last situation, uh, the, in the true cold tumors cannot benefit by existing immunodrugs uh, able to improve the immunoresponse of effector cells just because there are no immunocells to stimulate into the tumor microenvironment of these immune desert cancers. Here, the challenge, of course, is to change a cold tumor into a hot one. Thank you so much for these explanations. You mentioned it earlier that gut microbiome has also an important role in the inflammatory microenvironment in colorectal cancer. So what is actually the role of the gut microbiome in this inflammatory context? Oh, yeah, answer, answer this question is easy in appearance only. Indeed, uh, both immune cells distribution and gut microbiome are changes among the different parts of the colon. Uh, gut microbioma is largely associated, indeed, to the concept of sidedness. The microbioma burden increases regularly from the proximal to distal colon. Conversely, there is a negative gradient of immune cells from the proximal to the distal tract. However, it is well known that the proximal colon is more prone to inflammation compared to the distal colon. This is in some way paradoxical considering that the right colon harbors less bacteria and more immunocells. However, uh, the large bowel in general, and the, the distal colon in particular, faces a continuous exposition to high antigenic burden made up by nutrients and by commensal intestinal flora. Therefore, it is reasonable that the large bowel requires tolerance rather than immunogenicity, and this is in particular in distal colon due to its uh, uh, higher bacterial burden. Indeed, immunocells in the large bowel acquire specific phenotypes which ensure them a high tolerogenic profile. For example, most of the resident dendritic cells are tolerogenic and unable to migrate to lymph nodes. Or another example is the gamma delta T cells uh, in the bowel wall uh, they are CD27 negative and are able to produce large amount of interleukin-17, but a very low amount of interferon gamma. These tolerogenic aspects are related to the abundance of commensal flora and may explain why in the distal colon there are less immunogenic cells. The local immunosystem is oriented indeed to limit the immunoresponse to preserve the commensal flora. However, it cannot prevent, and on the contrary, it announces the existence of a chronic status of low-level inflammation, which may be due to dysbiosis related to dietary habits or the use of antibiotics. Altogether, this observation might contribute with other well-known factors, of course, to explain the higher rate of colon cancer in left colon. In addition, the persistence of a telerogenic milieu 
could in part explain the non-inflammatory phenotype largely expressed in the distal large bowel. We, indeed, we also must take into account that the nutritional load of the colorectal cancer, as reported by Schumacher, is higher than that of a bladder cancer, adrenal cancer, hepatocellular carcinoma, all tumors with demonstrated sensitivity to immunocheckpoint inhibitors. Therefore, it is difficult to explain the different results of immunocheckpoint inhibitors in colon cancer. But the particular environment of the large bowel, which means specialized tolerogenic immunocells due to the commensal flora, could justify the lack of activity of these drugs in colorectal cancer. Given um, that you argue that the gut microbiome actually influences the response to immune checkpoint inhibitors, do you know whether there is any possibility to influence the gut microbiome therapeutically? Oh, yes. Uh, my personal feeling is that in the future, targeting the microbioma will be an additional way to fight cancer. This uh, will be achieved, among other things, by the correction of dysbiosis or a more appropriate use of antibiotics and educational interventions on the diet. This belief derives from the observation that an excessive use of antibiotics is related to an increased risk of many tumor types in large epidemiological studies, that the incidence of tumors in the same human population may dramatically change according to the country of residence, and it means the type of diet. This has been demonstrated, uh, for example, uh, looking at the prevalence of colorectal cancer in Afro-Black compared to the American Black. And uh, last but not least, uh, there is a strong association between colorectal cancer and specific bacteria such as Escherichia coli or Enterococcus faecalis. About the relationship between the composition of microbiome and response to therapy, there is already evidence that it can modulate response to some anti-cancer drugs such as cyclophosphamide or irinotacan in humans. However, the most convincing evidence originated from the experience of Steven from the group of Thomas Gajewski Uh, this author showed that the inbred mice housed in different labs and implanted with the same experimental tumor respond differently to immunotherapy. But the difference is cancelled by the inclusion in the diet of poor responding mice of fecal material derived from the good responders. Further experiments demonstrated that the difference was due to a loss of a bifidobacterium species in poor responders' mice, and that the addition of a bifidobacterium in their diet can solve the difference with the good responders. In conclusion, uh, the role of a microbioma in the development of colorectal cancer and probably even of other cancer types, as well as its influence on the treatment, including immunotherapy, the serve of other studies, and is, in my opinion, an important, albeit really difficult, field of investigation. So given these results and insights from preclinical studies, in your opinion, what is on the horizon in immunotherapy for colorectal cancers? How will the future look like there? Well, as I just told 
colorectal cancer is a, a difficult field of investigation. This is because the colon cancer is a pool of different diseases, which are the results of the interplay between the genetic of the cancer cell, the local immune system, and the gut microbiome. All these factors may change in each tumor and even over time. In the future, we should consider all these aspects to select homogeneous population for clinical trials. This is, in my opinion, a major issue. However, at the best of our present knowledge, uh, we already know that patients harboring uh, high Microsoft light instability have a chance to benefit from immunotherapy, and the development of a combination therapy could improve the expected benefit in the near future in this subgroup of patients. Tumors with an immune-excluded phenotype could benefit from immunotherapy, at least as soon as the mechanisms leading to immune exclusion will be better known. Cold tumor or desert tumors require further investigations related to how we could change cold into hot tumor. This challenge is the most exciting one and, of course, is not limited to colon cancer. Thank you, Professor Milano, for this comprehensive overview. And to all of you who are interested in to know more about this topic, have a look in the recently published paper by Marco Milano, Heterogeneity of Colorectal Cancer from Bench to Bedside. You find that on the ESMA Open homepage under esmaopen.bmj.com. Thank you and goodbye.